It is the 200 level, Mike Carpenter in the basement studio on a Tuesday afternoon, and pardon the delay, but I didn't really want to do a podcast on Sunday, and I didn't really want to talk about it on Monday, and I don't really know how much I want to talk about it now, but you could say it's my job, I know teaching is my job, but I love podcasting, I love talking about Illini sports, but boy can it be tough sometimes, and in this very tough beginning to the season, I don't think there's been a tougher game to talk about than what we just saw. And that's saying something. When you consider the Kansas debacle, at least I just had plain unadulterated anger after that because it was just such a a terrible performance. The Purdue game was outright embarrassing, and yet somehow that allowed me to divest and say, well, this team just kind of stinks and I can move on. But don't mention the Nebraska game. That was just really bad. But the Maryland win, I think, got people interested. Not back on board, but interested. And for Illini football fans in our very porous history, interested often is good enough. And you could feel this throughout the lots on Saturday, which it was a beautiful late fall day, uncharacteristically warm. And yes, it was windy, but it was not Michigan State 2022 windy. It was just pretty windy. And we can deal with that when it's 70 degrees and sunny outside. The vibes were good. And those 2.30 starts as you get into October, as I remarked to my dad in the third and fourth quarter, this stadium, Memorial Stadium, is beautiful. And especially as the sun is setting and the sky kind of turns that purplish Midwestern Indian summer sky, it's I'm not trying to get poetic about it, but for those that were in the stadium, yeah, it felt good. It felt right until it didn't. And there are so many things to talk about this game, and most of them have to do with the history of Illini football and how it has really kind of manifested in a tense and not-so-fun environment when things go badly. And it also has to do with, I guess, the more micro sense of this team the opportunity that they had and how they've squandered it was never more apparent than what we saw on Saturday. A game where all the promise that we thought this season would bring was on display for three quarters. And then everything that got you into a two and four hole to begin with came to roost in the last quarter. Let's start with the day itself because 56,000 people, I think, was the attendance at least the announced attendance, but it did look pretty full in there. The crowd was great. And as I mentioned, the vibes were good. I used that word quite a bit, but it was. You took an early 7-0 lead. You let 14-7 at halftime, and I know that final score from Wisconsin was a little bit disconcerting, but then you scored in the third quarter, and your defense was getting stops. And it felt like, as I remarked to Trevor and Isaac in the text thread, this felt like Minnesota last year, where when Minnesota took a brief lead at the start of the third quarter after a long kickoff return, Yeah, it sucked, and you felt the air kind of come out of you, but you thought, wait a second, we're playing better than them. We look like the better team, so we should be able to win this game despite that. That's exactly what I thought after Wisconsin got the touchdown at the end of the first half. Bummer. I hate that it happened, but you know what? I still think we're in control of this thing. We just need one more score is really what it felt like. And you got that score, and you went up 21-7. to You ran the ball effectively. You were defending. And you really made the backup quarterback look like a backup quarterback making his first start. On the whole, I thought the defense was very impressive for, again, three quarters, which is sort of the qualifier for most of this conversation when I mentioned something good for Illinois. 
I thought Luke Altmaier made plays. I mean, a lot of plays with his feet, of course, and kept drives alive. And I thought that Barry Lunny, for the most part, had one of his better games. He seemed to kind of take what the defense was giving them. He adjusted on third and short and fourth and short calls, even though he did have a couple that didn't work, but he adjusted later on. Again, I thought it was one of his better games, but you still only scored 21 points. So all these good vibes, to use that word hopefully just one last time, were squandered not quickly, but over the course of about 40 minutes. And it was a slow, painful death, or a slow, painful death march, if you will, to the end of the game when there was a feeling of inevitability in the stands that I kept trying to fight against. I don't want to say that I was zen because, yeah, I was frustrated, but I told myself maybe preemptively to kind of protect the proverbial, you know, balls, <laughs> to not get kicked where it hurts the most. I kind of told myself, I don't know these guys. I just root for Illinois football and I want them to win, but if they don't, what the heck? I've seen worse losses than this. And by the way, that's still true. We have seen worse losses than what we did on Saturday. In a bit, we'll get to why it felt so bad, though. But it's happening right in front of us. We see it in the fourth quarter. You feel it in the stands. People are puckering up. Is the sideline puckering up? I know Jeremy Warner asked Jay Lehman earlier this week on his podcast, do you feel that on the sideline? Is it a coincidence that Brett Bielema's teams tend to play better on the road and that most of the big wins have, in fact, come on the road where they get away from the home crowd? I, and I totally get that because I know my wife has made mention of basketball games even having a weird edge in the stands. And I say, hey, that's our lot in life. We got that chip on our shoulders. And yeah, that's part of the Illini fan experience. But even with that, you were spotted a 21-7 to lead and you got outscored by a backup quarterback and an okay, fine, decent Wisconsin team. And I don't want to go much further than that. Decent. to I'll give them good. I'll give them good. But not very good. And certainly not great. And they schooled you when it mattered the most. You fell to 0-3 against first-year Big Ten West coaches. You fell to 3-5 on the season when 4-4 four four would have put you in great position to make a bowl game. You fell to three and five when four and four would have put you in much better position going into the bye week for recruiting. But I think maybe most damaging of all is that you lost another big opportunity at home and good luck getting more than 35,000 for the Indiana Northwestern games. Not that those were going to be well attended anyways, but any notion of momentum this year or any notion of it really being a good season is all but gone. Yeah, they could win the last four, and you bet that would feel good. But do you really think they're going to hold on to a lead late when it matters against a Minnesota or Iowa when they couldn't do it at home against a Wisconsin team that was basically handing the game to Illinois? And a quarterback that gave them a few opportunities for big plays, but the secondary just would not take it. This team is allergic to the big play, it seems. It really seems that way, especially defensively. They are allergic to the big play. And when it does happen, and notice, I've gone almost eight minutes not talking about the Johnny Newton targeting thing. Even when it does happen, the rug gets pulled out from under you, and it doesn't really count. So for a team that is allergic to big plays, and apparently allergic to winning, even in this crap Big Ten West, and a team that is allergic to taking advantage of a massive opportunity. 
that's why I think the frustration boiled over to not so much frustration as much as a feeling of emptiness, a feeling of being let down, and a feeling that I am sick and tired as a fan of being let down when there's not enough good reasons for us to be let down, when it should not be this bad, and when it should be far more competent than what we've seen. We're going to hit the sponsors, and then let's talk Johnny Newton. Let's get that out of the way, because there's a few things that we do need to talk about with what was an extremely consequential play in the game. And I got problems with a whole host of things with that. We need to talk about Brett Bielema, because... Much as I like him, I think, boy, are there a lot of cracks or fissures kind of emerging right now. Things that I used to sort of like about him are now start, starting to become a bit worrisome and a bit aggravating for a man that's making five, six million dollars a year after his extension. Not that money's the only thing here, but you know, at a certain point, you are making a lot of money to not act certain ways, and I'll get to that. We're going to save Illini basketball for Sunday because I think we'll do a bit of a live podcast for either the first or second half of the Illinois-Kansas exhibition game. I'm leaning towards the first because I would imagine we'll see the studs a bit more early in that game. And that way we can react to what will likely be our rotation as we get into the regular season. And Isaac and maybe Trevor will be here for that. So we're excited to get back into the basketball swing of things as well. But before I get too far into it, i got to remind you the 200 level is brought to you by DP Doe, online at dpdoe.com. For all the best deals and prices, dpdoe.com. Uh, my friend Ethan tweeted me late on Saturday saying, you know, it was supposed to be a celebratory calzone. It's not, but it still tastes damn good. He and his wife got calzones from DP Doe after the game, and of course they enjoyed it because DP Doe for 16 plus years has been a fixture on campus. Order online at dpdoe.com. Also, Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing, your home's best friend. Give them a call at 217-841-4728. I hope you enjoy the 70-degree weather because guess what? It's about to be over with. Cool temperatures are hitting this weekend. It's time to get that furnace check scheduled. You've been prolonging it too long. Give them a call at 217-841-4728. That's Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing, your home's best friend. Also, State Farm agent Brian Hansen. Online at brianismyguy.com for life, auto, home, business renters. You name it, Brian is my guy, and he can be your guy as well. Talked to Brian last week. We had an old credit card that we had to get replaced, and it, a charge didn't go through, and he, he gave me a call personally just to check and get the new card on file, but I was like, oh, man, I'm sorry, Brian, but he was like, it's all good. And uh, sure enough, they processed it about a minute later because if, if there's one thing that Brian and his staff are great at, it is basically instant communication. They don't bother you with it, but anytime that you need something, they are very quick to get back to you. And that's part of the reason that we've been with them for a couple of years and we'll continue to stick with Brian Hansen, State Farm agent, online at brianismyguy.com. And finally, Owen Builders LLC, online at owenbuildersllc.com. Check out their gallery online. Indoor and outdoor projects, home additions, patios, kitchens, bathrooms. They are very versatile at what they can do. And the gallery will give you a good indication just how good they are at this stuff. So again, that is owenbuildersllc.com. Luke Owen and his staff, excellent at what they do. owenbuildersllc.com. Got to thank Champagne Showers Podcast Network and the listeners, you, that's you. And if you can rate and review us at Apple Podcasts, that would be great as well. Now, let's talk about the play. The target heard around the world, Johnny Newton. And there are certain moments, take the Devin Witherspoon pass interference last year, immediately followed by a Purdue touchdown. That's a moment. 
this one with Johnny Newton was another one where it conjures up the house of horrors that Memorial Stadium has become. I love that stadium. Part of me sometimes just wants to tear the damn thing down. <laughs> like, I don't believe in superstition at all. And I think that Illinois, in fact, can win at the stadium and that there aren't such things as hexes or ghosts. But you know what? Eventually, perception becomes reality. And you feel this immense pressure in the stadium. I was, again, consciously trying to not feed into that after the Johnny Newton play. But I can't blame 50,000-plus people for saying, oh, God, here we go again. And it was one of those moments. Now, let's start with the unfortunate truth is that I guess by the book, it's a targeting. And I hate that. Trevor was watching the game on TV, so he was able to get the Dean Blandino call and Trevor saying, it sucks. It just sucks. But it is the rule. Now, there is a problem with the rule, namely that it is not judging intent. And it was clear that the intent was not to hurt the quarterback. The intent was to get the ball out. Judging by Johnny's reaction, there was immediate regret. That is fine. Uh, Roughing the passer. Go with that. I still hate it, but it's not something that should eject a player from the game. Now, this is what college football has become in the name of protecting the quarterback or really players in general. The targeting rule has become a joke. And we're asking these refs to officiate it with fidelity. But the consequence is massive. And the way that these players are trained now, they're trying the best they can to not target. So I would venture to say that the vast majority of them now are probably not worthy of ejection because most of them are probably not intending to knock off the opponent's head. Now, maybe that's me being too optimistic about it, but I really do think that college football, if they try to make the point that we don't accept targeting, for the most part, that has been well-received from the players Now, let's stop kicking them out of games unless it is egregious. So Johnny goes out of the game. Now, there was plenty of reason for Brett Bielema and the sideline and the stands to be pissed off. I felt awful for Johnny. I feel awful for Johnny. And I can only imagine what he felt like waking up Sunday. Because I woke up feeling empty anytime I thought about the game. I would imagine he felt sick to his stomach along with many other guys on that team. So this is not to compare my uh, 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 my pain is a fan. I've had plenty of that, but it cannot compare to what these guys on the field feel themselves. So I feel um, empathy for that and also recognize that my despair is puny compared to them. He gets out of the game. The game continues. At this point, I believe you're up 21 to 10. The possession before that, you would stall Wisconsin and forced a field goal. And that felt like a win because at that point, I'm thinking there's... Yeah, there's still some time left, but you're running the ball effectively. And I don't know if Wisconsin can get two touchdowns. And I don't know if they can get a touchdown, two-point conversion, and a field goal. Even that, right? Well, of course they did. They got more. But Johnny goes out of the game, and Wisconsin immediately, I think at this point, they're at the 20, then the penalty puts them at the 35-40, and then they take it all the way down, right? Now, keep in mind, and I did not see the defensive holding, even if they pick up the flag. On Johnny Newton. The big play is negated by a defensive holding. I didn't see it. It felt like you've got to be kidding me. And yes, part of me felt like the refs were in cahoots. And I don't normally go down that rabbit hole. But I did text Trevor and Isaac saying, you know, if Wisconsin wins this game, 
there is still a Big Ten West race with them and Iowa. And sure enough, Iowa loses too. So now there is really a race, and maybe Wisconsin's going to be the favorite because Iowa looks god-awful. And we've seen times where certain teams do get advantages. I mean, you know, Michigan is an obvious example of that. And I'm not going to sit here, even as someone that doesn't like to blame the refs, and say that last year's game at Michigan wasn't influenced by them. Of course it was. I'm not blind to that, and it sucks, and I wish that was not the case. However, if you cannot control that, control what you can control. And that is the fact that still at this moment, even without your best player, you are up 21-10 to 10 against a backup quarterback and a first-year Big Ten West head coach. How about not giving up two consecutive scoring drives of 80-plus yards? How about that? It is not to negate the importance of the Johnny Newton ejection. It was massive. But this is big boy football. And if your program is in a position where losing one guy for 10 minutes of regulation is so detrimental that you blow a two-score lead at home when you need that win desperately, you've got bigger problems than a bad call from the officials. Even though, again, by the book, I guess it wasn't a bad call, but it just stinks. I understand. On top of that, you have a head coach that is trying to fix the officiating issues as the second half is going on. Take, for instance, the clapping that Wisconsin was doing, which resulted in a false start. He calls a timeout. He clears it up. That doesn't happen again. So maybe you could say there's value in that. But there's also value in a timeout at the end of the game, or maybe even three timeouts at the end of the game, when Wisconsin gets the go-ahead score. And you've shown some ability to move the ball throughout the game, but now you have no timeouts. So you're basically screwed. What that felt like to me was a coach not necessarily picking fights with the officials. It's not as if everything he did was unjust. Brett Bielema, I mean. Some of it was justified. But what's the old saying? Sometimes you got to cut off your nose to spite your face. I mean, pick your battles, whatever cliche you want to use. You have a game to win. Is this helping you win it? Or will the timeouts potentially help you win it? That is something that you got to decide. And I know that Brett Bielema fairly eloquently talked about why he used those timeouts when he did. He had reasoning behind it. But I also know that there was emotion behind it too. Because this battle between him and the Big Ten officials, however noble it may be, it has not worked, for one. And two, it costs you some valuable timeouts when you would have needed them against Wisconsin. Yes, the officials sucked. The guys wearing white and black stripes. But eventually, no, you got to play I, I the ball as it lies. That. And there were way too and many things going in Illinois' what favor leads on to my Saturday next point about Brett Bielema. And what has become a bit concerning to me. On Monday and Tuesday, at least on Monday, there was a tweet, he's kind of subtweeting, pictures on Twitter of, oh, look at Johnny Newton didn't really commit targeting. Oh, yeah, well, they could have called this, they could have called that. He does this thing where he has the emoji that's shrugging, like, well, what can I tell you? And the problem is when you're three and five, that's not cute. It reeks 
of loserdom. I'm tired of being a loser. I'm tired of rooting for a loser program. And that right there is what a loser program does. If that seems like harsh language, I apologize. But again, someone making five or six million dollars a year, whatever the hell it is, it's a lot to coach a Big Ten West team. And he's subtweeting pictures from different football outlets trying to prove his point to the officials when the other side of the coin is the fact that you were up 21 to 7 at home in the fourth quarter of a game you had to win and you blew it. Take some accountability. And accountability in this case would be shut up. It happened. Take it up with the Big Ten office. But stop using Twitter to make a point about officials and in the process making your program look like a bunch of whiny losers. It is not becoming a Brett Bielema or this program. Act like a big boy. You got a bye week to figure this crap out and to somehow make a bowl game and make this thing right. That is what you should be worried about. Recruiting needs to pick up, and you damn well better hit the transfer portal hard for all these needs you have on your roster. That is far more important than subtweeting a picture of Johnny Newton with his arms outstretched before his helmet hit that of the backup quarterback. Pick your battles. Some would say that you can do all of those. Okay, fine. But consider the perception here. If I'm a Wisconsin fan, I am not unjust to laugh in the face of Brett Bielema for bringing that up, not once, not twice, but thrice, and refusing to let it go. If I'm a Wisconsin fan, I shrug. I put the shrug emoji on my Twitter account and say, too bad, Brett. You had the lead and your team blew it. One guy goes out and then all of a sudden your defense can't stop a nosebleed. Who's to blame here? To me... That is something that worked maybe after the Michigan game last year when emotions were raw and you understand where it was coming from. But I do not think that it works when you start the season two and four looking god awful doing it and you were this close to four and four and being on the right side of making a bowl game and you blew it. Not the time for that, Brett. It actually pisses me off if you haven't been able to tell. I just don't like the look. I want this university. <clears throat> and football program to start acting like its size, like its footprint actually matters and stop acting like the little sisters of the poor where boo-hoo, everyone is against us. No, they are not. This fatalism that we have sometimes with Illinois football, the fatalism that we felt in that stadium is sad. It's understandable, but it's sad. But the last person that can partake in that is the head coach trying to turn this thing around. Because if he starts buying into this notion that we are just doomed to failure and that officials are, are just not into it, you know, the officials are against us, there's some conspiracy against Illinois football, then guess what? We are done. It ain't going to happen. You're going to use that in your recruiting pitch? I don't think so. No one wants to hear that. You go into some recruits room, yeah, well, we'd be four and four if not for the fact that, well, these officials called the targeting, which I guess according to the rule it technically was, but our best player went out and then they scored 18 points in the fourth quarter and we didn't. But yeah, here's the thing. I mean, it was ultimately the officials. No, 17, 18-year-old kid doesn't want to hear that crap. They want to know, where am I going to go to win? Where am I going to play? That doesn't matter to them. They see the record and they see the lack of 
probably, making a bowl for the second out of three years. And that leads to a bigger issue beyond the officials and beyond the Johnny Newton play. You have now seven games since Brett Bielema has been coach where you've led in the fourth quarter and you've lost them. You are not closing games. And these are not always against teams that are really worth a crap. Michigan beating you in the fourth quarter, hey, they went to the college football playoff. Any Illini fan will tell you, yeah, that loss stunk, but we can live with that. But eventually... The Purdue's and Maryland's of 2021, this game that we just saw, you go back to last year being tied against Purdue, a few others as well, Indiana at the start of the year, Michigan, Mississippi State. When we said we were closer to 10-2 and last year, well, that's good and bad news. The bad news is you weren't 10-2. and The bad news is that you couldn't close a couple more of those games to have a really gaudy record that probably helps you elevate this program even more. So all of a sudden, 8-5, and in hindsight, looks like, well, they missed opportunities last year with all these studs, including Devin Witherspoon, who's probably the defensive player of the year in the NFL. And now you're 3-5 and when you should be at least 4-4 and because you can't find a way to finish games, not even against great competition. So whose fault is that? Now, it's fair to say that in year three, we should give time. And no matter how the season ends, Brett Bielema will and should get more time. I want to be fair about this. But eventually, in this day and age of college football, this is not 20 years ago. It does not take that long to turn around a program. Other coaches are doing it rather effectively, rather quickly. And they're finding ways to close out games. And as each passing week goes by, it looks like we are reliving the Arkansas Brett Bielema experience because his teams can't close out the stupid game. This is someone in his 15th, what, 16th year of coaching, head coaching. He is continually losing to coaches whose pedigree should be less than his when it matters the most. And it might still be somewhat of a talent issue. But I know there's also decisions that have or have not been made, schematic issues, I'm sure, that are contributing to that. Eventually, whatever it is, the record is what it is. That's what you are. And that's all that matters. Am I this frustrated if we start at 3-3 three and three and we lose a heartbreaker to Wisconsin and we're 4-4 four and four after that? No, I'm not this angry. This is a culmination of an absolutely abysmal start to the year. And then maybe finally getting it right against Maryland and finally getting it right against Wisconsin. And just the moment that I start thinking, boy, we escaped disaster. This team might have figured it out. They pissed down their legs at the end of the game. And now all the negative feelings come dredging right back up. And that's a shame. Because I feel this way. But I would have to imagine that another 10, 15,000 people that were in that stadium on Friday or Saturday walked out and they might have had something a little more fatalistic than that where they said, I am done with this crap. You will always draw to homecoming. Illinois football has a pretty good tradition of that. We draw well for homecoming games. Not sellouts, but you know what? 56,000 or however many were in there, that looked good. It sounded good. It felt good. I can live with that. I go with 50,000, 48,000. The people that go are loud and they're into it. But the problem is, whatever casual fans that you could get hooked, 
eventually you're going to keep you at arm's length because they just see it's not worth it. And I will say personally, I am sick and tired of Illinois football being a buzzkill. I really am. And there are decisions I could make about that, as in not go. Well, yeah, that's true. Some could say change teams. Well, but we know that's silly. You grow up, you, you experience something as a kid or as a younger person, and it's really hard to shake that. I mean, this is going to be part of my life. Even when I try to keep it at arm's length, I will always want Illinois football to succeed. And when it doesn't, it's going to be a bummer sometimes. And when it doesn't, other times, I'm just going to shrug and move on with my day. But knowing how good it is when they are just good or fine, competent, knowing how good competency feels, it is very aggravating when they continue to mess up to this degree. It did not ruin the Saturday. It did not. It was a great day for anyone tailgating with friends and family. That's what it's about. But you know what? It does matter if your football team wins. It would have made a difference going back out to the tailgate lot and saying, let's stick around a little bit longer. Yeah, it's getting dark, but you know what? We'll, we'll tear down this crap later. Let's have a drink. Let's have a cigar and celebrate the fact that we beat Wisconsin. We're 4-4. Four and four. Everyone's feeling good. We felt that last year after Minnesota. It enhances the day. And too many times in my life, Illinois football has not enhanced the day like a halfway decent football program should. And it is really tiresome. It is up to Illini fans to make the decision what they do next. If you stop going, I don't blame you. If you continue to go, that's your prerogative. We got some friends coming in for Indiana, so we'll probably have a kind of minimalistic tailgate. Keep it simple. We had a bigger one for homecoming, and it was great. But I was freaking exhausted on Sunday. And here's the difference between being exhausted and being a happy exhausted. A happy exhausted is we did all that stuff, set it up, tore it down, put all the things up, took about two hours both ways, right? And you won. Worth every freaking minute. But when you lose, every now and again you ask, why do I, why do, I do all this for it? Maybe I should reprioritize things a little bit. And most college football fans don't need to ask themselves that. Most don't. Because most of them are not historically this inept at finding bits and pieces of sustained success. Yes, there are programs like a Georgia Tech or Wake Forest, maybe. They're just kind of floundering and whatever they are. Yep, there's Indiana. There's Rutgers. I get it. There's a handful. Kansas, for the most part. And right now, they're kind of experiencing a resurgence and we'll see if Leipold can sustain it if he does we're going to be saying darn we got the wrong guy and boy would that suck or I should say we might be saying that it's a bit premature but I am just tired of this program's inability to enhance the game day experience because it only goes so far it only goes as far as how good your team is and if they can simply not get out of their own way when they burned all the goodwill they had to start this season within the first few games and then really fell off a cliff in games five and six, and just when they get you back in, they blow it. Notice that this podcast was not all that much about the players in the field. Caden Fagan is a freaking stud. Luke Altmaier is your quarterback. I can stand by that fairly confidently, and that's exciting. 
I would love Isaiah Williams to come back next year. And I think with those three, you got something. You can build around that with the transfer portal because you're damn well going to need it for wide receivers that can actually get separation and offensive linemen that can block. Defensively, you're going to use your, lose your best player. So you better hit that transfer portal hard for defensive linemen. And apparently, you better find it for secondary guys too because whether it be Tyler Strain not able to get an interception when it was right in front of him, or a pick six falling right out of Xavier Scott's hands, and I know that was a bang-bang play. You you don't have guys back there making plays right now, so you need to get a playmaker. Hey, Hugh Robertson was great. <laughs> I mean, you wasted a great Hugh Robertson game. He was phenomenal. Special teams is pretty good. So, all of that to say, not all is lost, and there is a chance that this team still wins three of their last four. There's a chance they win all four. Look at the teams you're playing. Minnesota and Cali Kaliakiakis, or whatever the hell the quarterback's name is, I don't care. He's terrible. You should have a chance to win that game. But do you count on Illinois to actually hold down the fort when it matters? Maybe it's like a Maryland Redux, and you do. And you're away. That helps. Indiana and Northwestern stink to high heaven. You damn well better beat them, regardless of what else happens. And then Iowa can't score. They cannot score. So there is a chance that you still win four games and finish seven and five. That would be really the only path here where you feel good again. Six and six, I would feel good because I know the importance of making a bowl game and I'm that kind of fan that's probably going to be there regardless. I'll take it. But boy, what a missed opportunity for a coaching staff or a head coach. Let me be very clear. That has missed quite a few opportunities so far. Short of the red hot start last year. And that's not to dismiss it. It happened. But short of that, wildly inconsistent and losing games that you really cannot afford to lose. You should be looking at your third straight bowl game. And instead, you're looking at missing the second out of three. It's not a good look. And when you've got to compete against sexy Ryan Walters and his bulging biceps, even if they go two and ten, he's gonna walk in there. He's all cool. He's gonna get his guys probably. You gotta compete against him. You gotta do a damn well better job than you're doing right now to compete against that. Let's be honest, they're your competition. Luke Fickle, he's already out recruiting your ass. Iowa's Iowa, they're gonna do what they do. Nebraska, I don't know. But they beat you too. Losing to these first-year coaches, that's infuriating. If you would have told me before the season that you were losing to the three first-year Big Ten West head coaches, and I guess there's one more coming up in Northwestern, I would have said, boy, do we have a major problem here. Thank your lucky stars that Mike Loxley, Mike Loxley did. Because right now, things could be DEFCON 1. And they're pretty close. I'm just tired of them missing opportunities. You can probably tell. I came into this podcast not knowing how exactly I would emote because, again, I felt pretty much emptiness on pretty much emptiness on Sunday. And I woke up and I told Kara, I, I, don't, I don't really want to podcast today. I just, she said, don't. I was like, yeah, good idea. Tweeted out, not feeling it today, guys. And I think most of Illini fans understand that. And I would, I would venture to say that thanks to them losing on Saturday, and I know that any Illini media outlet feels this. When you lose, it is a hit 
on subscribers that tune in or read or all that. It's a hit because people are less inclined to want to read or listen to this stuff when the team lost a game, especially like that. That's a heartbreaker. That's one you don't want to relive. I don't want to relive it. I lived it. There's only so many of these games a year. Can't we get one shining moment at that stadium? Because it sure as hell is not going to be against Indiana or Northwestern. That's whatever. It's going to be probably cloudy, nasty November days against two crap teams. They should have been victory laps at the end of the year if you would have just held up your end of the bargain in the first eight games of the season. Those should have been just nice little notches in your little feather in your cap. Beating the crap teams to secure a better bowl. But instead, now they are, well, you better win those and sneak one on the road to get into the Little Caesars Bowl in Detroit. Fine if you do. But the faith in this coaching staff, and this is the final point, the faith in this coaching staff has took such a massive hit from the start of the year, and I am very interested and quite honestly worried to see how they reclaim that faith, whether it be from the fans or from recruits. And that's an uphill climb for any Illini coaching staff. Stop complaining about the refs. Stop pinpointing one play as the reason you lost that game. There were 10 minutes to go, and any play you could have made, you didn't make it. It was a really pathetic display from the defense. No one made a play. No one. You needed one, and the game was over. Well, we're going to tell this podcast angry, which could go two ways. One, if you're a Chris Farley fan, one of his best skits on SNL was the decaffeinated Colombian coffee crystals. Sir, are you aware you're drinking decaffeinated Colombian coffee crystals? And Chris Farley says, what? And then he gets angry, and he throws this big fit in some French restaurant, breaking dishes and all that. So there's that, but then the other one is the fact that you have a brand new Rolling Stones album, which is fantastic, and the first single is Angry. So it just hit me as I was going through this diatribe, and if it was too much, I apologize. But it just hit me that, yeah, I am angry. Now that I've had time to sit back and realize, boy, you blew it. You really, really blew that one. And I'm frankly sick and tired of that crap. Quit blowing it. Win a game like any competent team would be able to do in that position. I'm not going to blame history. I'm not going to blame the ghost of Memorial Stadium. That was on this coaching staff and these players for blowing it. And I know they feel it, and I try to stay away from the players because you know what? Even if some of them are getting a little bit of dough, they're still 18 to 22-year-olds. My bigger concern is with the coaching staff that is somehow unable, it seems, to close out these games with any consistency whatsoever. That's got to change. Otherwise, this doesn't work, and this experiment is over. And then you try again. But here's the deal. Even if that's what happens, that does not mean that Illinois football is doomed eternally to be nothing. There is no scientific data out there that would suggest that Illinois football will never win. Just because they haven't yet doesn't mean they never can. And if you think that way, I understand you're going off past history and you could use that as evidence, but here's what I would suggest. The idea that Illinois cannot be successful is still much more of a superstition than it is anything that is based on this landscape of college sports. If you've got the money, and boy do I know this college and this athletic department and the big donors, they have the money, you can compete. 
and even in the expanded Big Ten, yes, you can compete. You can win seven games a year, maybe eight. You can, more importantly, not stink. And that's what we got to get over before we start talking about winning consistently. Quit stinking up the joint. Fair? Is that a fair deal? I think it's fair. This coaching staff is handsomely paid to not stink, to not blow fourth quarter leads, to make bowl games. And apparently they aren't ready to do that yet. We'll figure it out. Because for someone that was a staunch defender and supporter of Brett Bielema, I'm questioning it more than ever before. And I would prefer to not do that. Because I'm also tired of making coaching changes. I'd like to think that what we have and is what we need is what we already have in-house. Wouldn't that be nice? But boy, they gotta start winning. And they gotta, more importantly, start closing out these games in the fourth quarter. Because seven games in three years where you've lost a fourth quarter lead, that is a problem. That is a trend. There's no aberration, there's no ghost superstition, there's no referee conspiracy that has screwed you out of all seven of these games. Eventually, who's accountable for it? Brett Bielema. And no amount of subtweeting to the Big Ten officials is going to change that. So figure it out. All right. That's all I got today. Got to thank DP Doe. Online at dpdo.com. State Farm agent Brian Hansen. Online at brianismyguy.com. Owen Builders LLC. Online at owenbuildersllc.com. And Dogtown Heating, Air, and Plumbing, your home's best friend. Give them a call at 217-841-4728. Champagne Showers Podcast Network, appreciate them. And appreciate you, the listener. We'll be back on Sunday. And I I think, like I said, we're going to do a first-half pod so we can get the more star-studded rotations for Kansas and Illinois as that game is on Big Ten Network. And I think it'll be me and Isaac, maybe Trevor, depending on his availability. We'll see. But we'll be back in the basement for that. And it'll be fun to talk some basketball again. But this today was about football. Again, if that was over the top, you know, I I apologize, I suppose. But I I do think that just talking through it kind of brought out the emotions that I have behind it. And I'm thinking, realistically, a lot of Illini fans, once you get over the emptiness from Saturday's loss... There is some anger there. And just this sick and tired of missing opportunities. And that's what it was. It was a massive missed opportunity. And if we're going to get anywhere, that's got to end. And I hope it does soon. But in the meantime, hey, life is good. Fall, the weather's fantastic, at least for one more week. Killers of the Flower Moon, a great new movie is out. Going to go see that this weekend. The Rolling Stones album is great. You, friends and family, focus on the good things. you know. But if you do think about Illinois football, don't let them off the hook. Because the last thing that Illinois fans should ever expect is that, yep, our football program is doomed to suck eternally. Do not expect that. Do not let that become the default. There is no reason why they can't be better, and it's about time they figure this thing out. Take care, everybody, and we'll see you soon. It is the 200 level.